Hello all and welcome back to another episode of the Strategic Whimsy Experiment. My name is Jennifer Hahn. And I'm Sarah Callen. And the Strategic Whimsy Experiment is a weekly gathering place filled with conversations about the films that shape our lives. Today we are back with a special bonus episode for a film that we've reviewed in the past, but we are joined by two special guests uh, to talk about the A24 film, Men. So Nate and Patrick, do you want to introduce yourselves? Uh, Sure. Yeah. My name is Nate Belial. Uh, This is my first time on the podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Um, I am a friend of Pat's and he kind of, I'm just kind of riding along on his coattails on this one. So I'll throw it over to Pat. Hello, my name is Pat James. This is my third time on the podcast. I was here before to review the most recent Matrix installment and everything, everywhere, all at once. And birthed out of that conversation with regards to A24, here we are today. So before we do the IMDb summary and all that for men, Pat, do you want to share a little bit of context on why we're all here today to talk about men? Give Me? us the backstory. Give us the backstory. Yes. Um, well, <laughs> the conversation about men started when I watched the trailer for the first time. And within maybe nine seconds, I got irrationally angry to an extent that was just unnecessary. Had a lot to do with apples and trees. I then also saw the trailer of this movie played before everything everywhere all at once to which the whole theater broke out laughing and a woman in my row actually thought it was like like a parody or like a spoof spoof preview (laughs) and not a real movie which made my soul so warm inside you felt an instant bond with that that wonderful woman Mm, sure did (laughs) awesome so uh since You've seen the trailer of Men. You have made some bold claims that I would love for you to reveal because this uh, Men journey that we're about to go on today is part one of a two-part adventure experience where we are talking through A24 horror films. And uh, Pat, you've made some claims that the three of us are here to prove you wrong on. Good luck. Do we want to do our one-sentence summary or do we want to jump right into claims? Okay, let's start with our one-tenth summaries, but maybe Sarah first. Quick summary of Men. Uh, we reviewed this movie uh, a couple of episodes ago on the podcast. So Sarah and I have talked about this movie for an hour already, but we are here back to have you both join us. So Sarah, quick IMB summary for Men. A young woman goes on a solo vacation to the English countryside following the death of her ex-husband. It's pretty tame. Sounds pretty tame. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty chill. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing else happens. That's no, right. She just goes Literally on a solo adventure. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, great English countryside, chilling, yeah. recovering from grief. Nothing okay. to see here. A little self-care trip. What could go wrong? Yeah. Exactly. Some greenery, reconnect with nature. End of end of plot. Right. All right. So in Strategic Whimsy Experiment, Trishan, we usually start off with a one-sentence summary for the movie. So, Nate, do you want to kick us off with your one-sentence summary for men? Sure. 
Uh, my one sentence summary is the most lazily titled movie since the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. <laughs> well done. Well done. Yep. In our uh, men review, Sarah and I had a long little rant about the title of this movie. So I love that you've picked up on that one. All right, Sarah, what was your one sentence summary for men? Uh, mine is gaslighting is the way of the world. Get used to it. Man, yeah. This, there's lots of that in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go next because I'm going to save Pat for, for last. Uh, my one sentence summary is Eva like a refund for her peaceful countryside vacation now. <laughs> All right. Best for last. My, my one sentence summary is an overindulgent misuse of the horror genre in an attempt to explore a finely acknowledged, overdue to be challenged gender construct that has existed since before humans could even speak. Ooh, well, well done. You started off with some spice, but you acknowledge that the movie is doing some some good things too. Did I hear that? Oh, that yeah. But yeah, I have a so quick disclaimer. <laughs> Themes and concepts <laughs> in this movie fully on board for being explored, represented. All of the following opinions and comments have to do strictly with execution. I don't this will one is sincere to my beliefs and two will hopefully prevent me from being canceled before I even have a chance to be put on anything. It's always great when we start a podcast off with a disclaimer about you not being misogynist. This is very, very strong start. I love it. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. So yes, Patrick, you made some claims about A24. We're starting off with men because you haven't seen this movie and we got to we got to throw you a bone before we launch into our A24 gauntlet, which is part two, where Nate and Pat are going to be back. Um, mm-hmm. Tell us your thoughts about A24 in general before we actually dive into the movie. I think this is useful context. That's fair. I think A24 is a very creative studio that takes chances, is clearly artistic, that, that is undeniable. Um, however, I think that they don't know how to stay in their lane. Horror and thriller, some studios don't need to touch it because horror and thriller becomes the catch-all of any extremely vague and abstract concept many times that people don't know what else, what other genre to land something in that they're trying to capture on the screen. Like I've said before, you see Lionsgate making rom-coms? No, because they know better. They stay in their lane. All right. We will unpack all of that in another episode in a couple of weeks that we are going to have so a full responses. A24 comment. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say, Nate? I One more time. I have so many responses. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so today we're going to be talking about men. Uh Let's start off with our initial thoughts about men. Um, if you haven't seen men yet, we recommend, well, some of us may recommend at least checking it out. Okay, so let's start off with initial thoughts. Nate, do you want to start us off? What did you think sure. about 
Batman. Yeah, so for initial thoughts, uh, first thing I, I wrote was everything Pat hates about A24 in 100 minutes. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I will say that I thought the movie was uh, very visual. I really liked the use of audio and score throughout the movie. Um, it's laced with a lot of symbolism, metaphor, and theming. Um, most obvious Motifs are abuse, toxicity, confronting the impact and trauma of those. Um, I don't think overall it quite worked for me. I think that's largely because of, um, as I kind of stated earlier, I'm not really a huge fan of horror, Um, uh, at least most horror subgenres, especially gore and like body horror, which there's kind of a lot of in here. Um, So maybe don't sugarcoat it. I've done some light research into some of the symbolism and uh, have kind of enjoyed a lot of that. Like after the fact, I I enjoyed kind of digging into this movie more than watching this movie uh, and gained kind of a deeper appreciation for it through that. But uh, it wasn't like my favorite uh, movie viewing experience. I'll say. (laughs) That's the understatement of the century. Yep. All right, Sarah, what were your initial thoughts of men? And maybe how your thoughts have evolved and changed around men since we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I uh, I loved a lot of men uh, until we got to the last bit. Uh, and when Rory Kinnear was just spawning other Rory Kinnears, and I just, I could not do it anymore. Um but like Nate said, I loved the visuals. I loved the score. I was like haunted by that score for like days after watching this movie. Um, I And I appreciate that Alex Garland sought to make this movie. I think some of his choices were misguided. And I, I wish that other people along the way had spoken up and they had made some different creative choices. Um, and I think... After after you and I talked, Jen, the more problematic I think this movie has become for me, um, especially uh, regarding the the casting of a black man as the only char- like black character in this movie, full of white people, and he's abusive to a white woman. I still think that's highly problematic. I think a lot of the conclusions uh, about men and misogyny and gaslighting and all of those things are also problematic but they didn't have to be I think that there is a way that this could have been rewritten to uh, just be a little I don't even think hopeful is the word but it, it almost felt like the way that these men were treating her is just the way that men are and it is what it is and it's never going to change and I just wanted a little something different from that I wanted more for Jesse Buckley's character so just from the writing perspective I just I wanted a little more I wanted a little something different I'm I'm glad that Alex Garland made the attempt. I just don't think that uh, that he hit it out of the park. So it's a nice try, but uh, try again later. All right, Pat. What are your thoughts about men? Pop off. I would like to have a conversation, or at least an email exchange, with Mr. Garland and ask him what the hell the horror genre ever did to him. If you want to make some indie art house you know, 
social construct piece, go for it. But there are certain tenets and things that go along with a horror movie that get missed when they get too conflated with something that is too overzealous and too contrived. I like the visuals. I like the score, although I felt like they leaned on or he leaned on the score at moments that were supposed to really like impose suspense in ways that just were a little much. So there's all types of stuff that we can we can break down with regards to that. I'm sure we will revisit all of those. Stop uh, rolling sure. your eyes, Nathan. <laughs> Nate's just shaking his head, his eyes down. <laughs> he has much to respond to. Uh, I do. <laughs> my my thoughts about men have um, changed a little bit over time. Now it's been a couple weeks. I'm actually glad that we're going to get to revisit it and also hear from um, both of you about your thoughts about men, because obviously Sarah and I talked about this movie, but we are both women watching this movie about um, these themes and these topics. And so we come from a very specific perspective. Uh, as I was thinking about this movie again uh, for us to talk about it today, I was kind of impressed at how much is still so, so memorable and so striking about men and the way that it chooses to tackle these themes. I think there's so many films today that you know, are, are, are bland or, or fit into a specific formula or are part of this franchise machine. And for Alex Garland to create something that was this fresh and it's, it's shocking in many ways, but it's memorable because of that. And if that is his vehicle to um, have these themes stick with us and for us to continue to revisit them and ponder them, um, there's something valuable about that in and of itself. Uh, there's, there's a lot as Sarah mentioned that doesn't work quite well and doesn't land quite well, but the audacity to do something like the ending that he did is kind of fantastic. And, um, you know, A24 often is choosing to fund and support these creators that are, have these really non-traditional, non-vanilla ideas. And I love that this movie even exists, that it was played in a theater, um, and that we got to experience it. So there's there's a lot to unpack. I'm surprised at how much this movie stuck with me um, and how much I still remember about all of the visuals and the themes and the um, commentary that Alex Garland seems to have to say about society. So I appreciated that more uh, now that I've had some time to sit with men. All right, where should we start? Where should we go first? Do we want to talk about that ending? It kind of feels not? like the elephant just tackle first shall we <laughs> you mean the uh infinite loop that was a anatomically shifting vaginal canal that just kept birthing grown man after grown man yeah let's jump right in the one that lasted for about like 15 minutes yeah that one <laughs> that one the one that i thought it was i think i went to the bathroom i think i missed this part what are you guys talking about <laughs> <laughs> So I think it was overkill. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, to me, that's just kind of um, bluntly kind of portraying the sort of cyclical generational nature of toxicity and abuse. In this case, literally breeding more toxicity and abuse. Um, But 
yeah, it didn't work for me just to watch, I guess. I, I, I don't know how else to put it other than it was, it was gross and I don't really like body horror kind of stuff. So that, that really didn't work for me so much. If I can, I actually think Garland, it was a disservice to his vision and the commentary that he was trying to, you know, put on the screen because it is a very common, unfortunate thing, which is shock factor in horror and thriller movies. And it's as a horror and thriller fan, like typically when that happens, it's always viewed as lazy. Either someone wrote themselves into a corner or they weren't able to close something strongly or they didn't nail kind of the timing and the marks and like a good use of audio, which I won't say was the case here. Um, that really are some of like the key pieces to really provide someone with that like ride that you get when you're watching a horror or a thriller movie. Because at the end of the day, you're really like rooting for the character and you're kind of going through that experience with them. And so there's a lot of pieces to that execution. Going back to my, I guess, original statement though, is with all the birthing and body gore, it felt like that same level of shock factor that was like, okay, well, just in case people don't want to talk about this movie because it didn't really land with them because it's abstract, or maybe there was like some marks that were missed. Boom. We're going to throw this at you. And we'll make, that will definitely have you talking because shit. So your main issue with it, it sounds like is the fact that it's using shock factor in a way that feels cheap. Is that accurate? That's, part yes that is a true statement i won't say that that's the only thing but <laughs> yes because from a commercial perspective it's not in his fit and it's not in his benefit to include that right no not at all it probably i mean it but to your point if like bad any any press is good press um does that get the buzz and the conversation going about this movie that is maybe going to be talked about or making headlines in ways that it wouldn't had it stayed and played it a little bit more a conventional with a conventional ending. Yeah. I mean, based on how the movie was already going, I'd say it was fairly unconventional, but when you think about it, like think about like the gradual kind of increase in like the experience that you're having and what you're seeing on screen. It's just, it's a lot of like confusion and what's going on, but it's not like gory all throughout with the exception of in the middle, you do see what happens to her ex-husband. And then all of a sudden it's like, it turns from being this more like thriller mystery, what's going on to, Oh, now we're a, a gore fest horror movie, which felt like, disjointed because that's not what the rest of the movie was so i'm curious one of the, the questions that i had that i was curious your thoughts on is out if we if we isolate and put the ending into its own separate bucket up until that point was the movie effective for you was it captivating did it make you think did you find it engaging or because i i know that that ending is quite something but at least up until that point that suspense the the interesting things he does with Rory Kinnear and all of the different men that she encounters. What were your thoughts on up until that point? 
Is this a me question or is this open to the floor? Open, open to the floor. I'm going to let someone else answer. Okay, well, I will receive your nomination. Uh, yeah, I I mean, for me, I did enjoy all of all of those pieces. I, I thought it was really interesting to see uh, the the flashbacks to that moment with her with her husband, and then to see all of these like microaggressions and sometimes outright aggression from all of these Rory Kinnears in this this village. And I thought that that was so fascinating to to watch this woman have these dual experiences and just wondering like what is I wanted to know so much more about her than the film ever tells us like she is all we know is that she is a woman who is grieving who loves apple products like that's pretty much the extent of all that we know about her and I just (laughs) I needed more information um but I was because we didn't know that much about her because we were in this mysterious thing with all these Rory Kinnears I was hooked I was like tell me what is going on I want to know the mystery here uh and then the ending happened and I had to avert my eyes because I I don't do a lot of like body horror gore like that and no so up till that point I was on board and then that ending kind of no I wanted to leave the theater very quickly Oh, you saw that on the big screen. Oof. Sure did. Mm-hmm. It was an experience. I am sorry about that. Nate, go ahead. You're about to say something. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say, for me, I think, um, like, I really enjoyed the visuals. I, I, I believe all of the sort of um, interlaced symbolism and stuff was intentional i don't think it was just there just to put stuff on the screen um but it was more abstract than i can grok on a first viewing i think and i it was um i don't know not not visually interesting enough to to keep me um super i don't know engaged with it uh I think I was kind of like uh, expecting also more jump scares for some reason in this movie. So I was kind of, I I hate those. And I was kind of like, like there was a lot of tension and I was like, there's going to be one. Right. Um, And so I think that for that reason, that that soured my, my first viewing experience also. But, um, but yeah, I, I I think from like a, a theming and a motif perspective, I think it, it's it works pretty well. Um, and like I said, I, I kind of enjoyed digging into this stuff a little bit more afterwards. But um, it wasn't like most of like the the sort of abuse and toxicity stuff seemed to be not so much, at least to me, deconstructing it. It was more just like pointing out like these are different flavors of abuse like all the different versions of of the Roy, rory kinnear um actor like all, all of his different characters um kind of have like different flavors of of toxicity or abusive behavior um and like kind of uh, embody these these different archetypes like you have this sort of overly familiar creepy nice guy type um, who's kind of awkward and off-putting um, and kind of like 
ignores all of her wishes, even though she like wants to pay for her own drink or carry her own luggage and all that kind of stuff. You've got the, the vicar who's, uh, I think probably the most chilling and creepy character in the movie. And, um, I will say that all the scenes with the vicar character, uh, I was fully engaged with, uh, like those were, uh, on the edge of my seat kind of like this is a very creepy character but you've got like the sort of sexual repression and abuse of authority and like trust figure kind of thing um and then like the child and like all of these things were just kind of pointing these things out but not not to me like deconstructing them or um saying anything super interesting about them at least on my first watch um so uh i i think I think I may enjoy this more on like a repeat viewing, but uh, it wasn't kind of the whole way through, like not, not, not working for me super well. I agree. (laughs) And what I mean by that is I think it kind of overstayed its welcome given the level of depth that it decided to go because the level of depth wasn't deep. It was very shallow. It was like, Hey, here's a example of, like you said, Nate, um, how toxicity or abuse can like manifest. Here's another one and another one and another. So by the time you're like into the second act, like you kind of already get it kind of already like, all right, this is what we're doing to me, to your point, Nate, like there weren't jump scares. It didn't really feel like a horror or a thriller movie. It just felt like a very confusing, what is actually going on? Like, like arugula face, like, the dude who you literally uses his thumbnail to put arugula in his forehead. Like, were we supposed to take that as an interpretation? Were we supposed to take that as real? And so, at least for me, the experience I was going with where I'm trying to, like, be sidecar to Eve, to the protagonist, and, like, be riding with her and, like, be trying to empathize or sympathize with her experience. Some of this more, like, abstract stuff that it's like, is this really happening? Is it really not? Like, took me out of the experience. And, you know, by the time she got back from the pub, especially by the time the cop was under the tree, it was like, okay, the persistence, the the whole theme of the persistence of the toxicity and toxic masculinity, like, is, we like, we pinned it, we did it. And then it was like, you know, we, we got our point. And then they turn that corner into the ending and it's like, whoa, why? Why? Why are we even... What? I want to make it clear that while it may seem like we agree, and <laughs> we generally do a little bit, we agree for very different reasons. <laughs> Unpack that a little bit more. That track, this this right. point is important. That sounds like our friendship of a decade yeah. at large. <laughs> So it feels like Pat's making the argument or it feels like a member of the, of the call is making an argument. (laughs) I don't want to, I don't want to turn this into a gang up so soon, but (laughs) that, that this movie is like objectively bad because it's, uh, it's like too abstract or things like that. I'm trying to say that it didn't work for me, but I do believe all that stuff is there intentionally. Uh, and people can't engage with that level of art. Um, and it's not objectively bad or objectively doesn't belong in the horror genre, which I vehemently disagree with. So we can get into that later. 
Yeah, we will. <laughs> so I'm curious on if the ending changed or evolved your understanding of what the movie was trying to do up until that point. Because we've, we've talked about what it's doing for, you know, predominantly the first two thirds. And then we talked about the ending. Um, does that change how you've read the rest of the movie or what you've, you've gleaned from the rest of the movie at all? I would say for me, kind of like I was just saying, you kind of had like an illegitimate ending with understanding like, oh, the persistence of this is like one of the larger themes at play and that it's always going to continue. The ending was just for me very much a distraction because again, for me, it was like, is this really happening? Is this a construct in her mind because of the level of grief that she's under and guilt that has she's been imposed to feel that type of thing? And this is why A24 bugs the ever-living shit out of me because they love to end these types of movies with maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. Her friend shows up seven months pregnant. There's blood stains all over the ground. So did we in fact have a Rory birth fest? I guess. But by the time she's just sitting, chilling on the steps, it leads you to believe that maybe not. Maybe this was all like an internal experience. I don't know. That's for me to decide. I don't want to decide that. I want to be told. Oh, interesting. You don't enjoy the, the prompted question that the movie poses. You would rather have clarity. I like the prompted question if the lead up and execution to that very point feels done very, very well. And the ending was so derailing that I can't say that's how I felt by the time we got to like the final frame of this movie. You had no more mental space after that, after that Rory Kinnear birthing period to ponder. I was mad. I texted you. I was, I was pissed <laughs> off. <laughs> Sarah, what are your thoughts about the, the way the ending reshapes or repositions the the points that the movie's making beforehand i i think that the part of this movie that like for me uh made me ponder afterwards is the fact that her friend shows up pregnant and so when she showed up pregnant in my head i was like okay so you're either carrying a girl who's going to have to suffer through all of this stuff or you're carrying a boy who's going to be part of this Rory Kinnear birth fest that's just gross and so like that that choice I thought was so intentional and so smart because it got me thinking about you know the the toxic nature of of our culture and how we pass it down to the next generation. I don't think that it's inevitable, but when it's part of a culture, there are things that we pass on unconsciously. So I think for, for me, as gross as the spawning of Rory Kinnear's was, it was that part that really made, that really stuck with me more than anything else was the, the legacy of gaslighting and abuse and, and all of the things. And, even months after seeing it. That's one of the things that I remember the most clearly about this movie. I love that that, um, that one shot, it's a short shot as well of the friend showing up. Um, you were able to glean 
so much from. I think the the the, the birthing sequence um, for me felt like it framed the rest of the movie in 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 this light of like, well, this is just how it is, and this is inevitable, and that feels a little bit defeating. And I feel like it it takes the responsibility and burden off of um, of men in society to. Uh, make choices to move us in a better direction because the even the choice of it being birthed makes it seem like it's part of their nature, that they are inevitably going to carry and inherit um, all of the mentalities and societal forces that are at play. When in reality, like every Rory Kinnear that comes out has choices to make, you know? And so that continual cyclical birthing sequence felt like him throwing his hands up and being like, well, this is just how it is and it's been for generations. But I I can see other people might read that as this is a generational thing that was passed down and that is an accurate depiction, whereas I might have read it a little bit more negative. So I'm curious, how, like, did how did you interpret it in one angle or the other? I think I, I, think I had a bit more of a positive take Um I think for me, it was less like, this is how it is. And, uh, this is how it will always be. And more like, this is like why it is, um, you kind of have like all of these, um, these, these more rigid archetypes kind of birthing out this more multi-dimensional complex, uh, like abusive character at the end. Um, James, like the, the, um, her ex-husband. Um, and yeah, I took the end less as like, this is how it is and how it will always be. And like removing the agency and a little bit more positively in that, like she, she kind of like talks to him, gets no real closure. Um, and I don't know, just kind of views how pathetic it all is. Um, and then at the end, there's sort of a, like you said, that one last shot. Um, I took very optimistically that there's like, you know, these two women uh, who have like, um, you know, like uh, Riley shows up and she's pregnant and there's like an opportunity to sort of break the cycle. I was more, I I was more in that camp, camp optimism. Um, One thing I thought that was very interesting was when she has her conversation with James, it felt very deliberate. And I did appreciate uh, that the, I think the last thing he says is, I just wanted you to love me. And it was so one-sided. It wasn't about partnership. It wasn't about equal companionship. It was almost like a representation of servitude. Well put more about control and domination than like actual love. Mm -hmm. And the fact that he doesn't see her in it, he just wants to be loved, whether it's her specifically in the way that she is wired and like all of who she is versus any other woman that could have taken that place. So one of the interesting things that they think the movie uh, does is to, to paint or at least position Jesse Buckley's character as this Eve-like character, she is like a representation of all women in a lot of ways. Um, and I'm curious your thoughts on the way that they 
characterized and portrayed Jesse Buckley's character, our main protagonist that we're rooting for throughout? I think it worked for me um, in general. I think there wasn't a lot of depth there, but I think that she was meant to be the audience surrogate. Um, So there's not a lot of like character development or anything like that. I think she's meant to sort of be like the um, sort of bland Keanu Reeves character for the audience to kind of just like insert themselves into um, and like uh, sort of engage with the, uh, environment themselves um but i i don't think that there was a lot of like development of like who she is and i i think that's the reason and it generally worked for me but how dare you seat her at that echelon you monster (laughs) we can move on keanu reeves does (laughs) he's great at it i love keanu reeves you mean 2018's the world's boyfriend that's what you're equating her to? <laughs> I don't know that reference, but I'm sure it's a zinger. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know what you guys' thoughts of the title was. You brought that up early on. I think May should start off this one. He included it in his one sentence summary. He's got feels about it. He did. I thought it was bad. I thought it was bluntly, plainly bad. Bad Might title. Might as well have been Men Suck Ass. Uh, I mean, that probably yeah. would have been a better title, though. Like, <laughs> you have more than one word, and you know a little bit more. I think it's I think it's just too on the nose. I think that's why the reaction to this trailer was so um, uh, visceral and like rejecting of it, like so plainly. Because um, I actually liked the trailer. I just thought the like even when I enjoyed the trailer and I watched it, and the title card came up, and I kind of was like. All right. <laughs> Rolled my eyes. <laughs> I was like, this is like a little bit too on the nose. Uh, yeah, I think the movie would have been better served if it was called almost anything else. Um, and you were to like kind of suss out that uh, this is about like toxic masculinity and abuse and cycles of abuse as you go through the movie rather than like be sniffing that out from like the first frame i think that that's uh uh yeah part of the reason why it was a little bit boring to me uh, i think is because it was like i know what i'm looking for and this is like a very abstract and slow-paced movie so it was you already told me what to look for and you're you're giving it to me very slowly and uh it's not working (laughs) uh so yeah, I think I think you could have called it Footloose too, and it would have been better. Uh, Whoa, let that's not be smash <laughs> the great Kevin Bacon, you savage! I think it, I think it would have served the movie better to call it Footloose too. There wasn't a single <laughs> dance in that entire movie. <laughs> I actually felt more or less the opposite about the trailer, as Jen is fully aware. I thought the trailer, so the trailer sets it up to be more of like a thrill ride than it is. To your point, jump scares and like a lot of like the the elements of like a horror movie, like she's yelling down this long tunnel. All of a sudden there's a guy, like what's the guy's motive? Like, what's that all about? For God's sake, of course, the lights have to go out and then they come back on and all the apples fall off the tree for no effing reason. But 
We'll leave that one alone. We'll just put that to the side. We'll tuck it away over here. Um, yeah, and I get it. And her showing up and eating the apple when she was not given permission and told and told not to and the whole yeah. But um, also think that the the name was very lazy. To your point, Nate, I like was like, oh, I know what I'm going into, and I guess we'll just see where this takes us. Yeah. I, I was a bit harsh in my one sentence. I, I don't I don't think it was lazy. I think it's intentional. I just think it's too blunt and it doesn't serve the movie. I think that's one thing we can all agree on for the right reasons too. Yes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Although we maybe it served its purpose because yeah. Pat, Pat knew what it was like and knew he wouldn't like it immediately. <laughs> that's true. So in that way, it was a highly effective trailer. Yeah. Yeah. It filters it, out the paths of the world. That's yeah. right. I knew at the 10 second mark of that 90 second trailer, I had no business watching this movie. And that remains to be the case. I did it. We're here. Won't get that time back. I still think toxic masculinity sucks. Also, I have a question for you ladies on the call. How do you feel about the fact that it was a man who wrote, directed, and executed on all this from an experience that he has not lived? As someone who is part of the BIPOC community, that's always something that comes up when there's, you know, Black-dominated characters in a movie told from, you know, a white authoring. That's actually one of the things that I think we spent quite a bit of time talking about in our other episode, which is that what are all the ways this movie would have been so different had it been written by a woman? In a lot of ways, it's it's not quite nuanced. It's, it's shining a light on these very real things that we're happy Alex Garland is aware of and excited and passionate. Honestly, it's great that he's passionate about communicating it. But from everything down to the costume choice for Jesse Buckley's character and putting her in that pink dress that is very feminine and that like last I ending of the movie. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. Good that point. made me upset. Yeah, it's this traditional picture of a feminine woman. And it was very hoity-toity. Yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like so many of those choices could have been way more nuanced had he consulted perhaps and and collaborate a little bit more closely with women so it's great that there's awareness and he's excited about conveying that through his art um but yes collaborators would have been great i know you guys are aware of this because i believe when i listened to your podcast episode i remember you making mention of it and i know nate will agree with me for the same reason why i appreciate this since you have to throw flags on the play whenever we agree uh fury road taking advantage of the writer of the vagina monologues to better be suited to craft that narrative as opposed to just having it come out of his own brain based off experiences that he has not lived. Brilliant. And I feel like a lot of what we've talked about around this movie being pretty on the nose and clear and not having more to say about all of this is just kind of like, this is a thing and it's bad. Um, kind of reflects the, the fact that there there wasn't more collaboration and iteration on this. It's not a nuanced portrait of misogyny. It's very much a literal blunt in the face on your nose, just like the title, just like the title. Mm. 
Yeah. I have a question for y'all. Who was the antagonist? And what was the struggle that the main character is supposed to overcome? I think the antagonist is uh, trauma and pain and guilt received through abuse and toxicity. And that's what the main character is supposed to overcome. I think that in general with these more abstract movies and these ambivalent endings or not uh, ambiguous endings, not ambivalent, um, you're going to run up to issues when you try and like decode them like a puzzle box. Uh, they're, They're sort of meant to be engaged with more on like a theming level, I believe. Yeah, I would have said that like the it's more of like a cultural thing of toxicity rather than like her specific grief or trauma. Like I would have loved to have seen that movie of her having to process through because I mean, just think about what what she went through, the the feelings of guilt and shame and she loved this person but he was abusive to her and so there's just like layers of emotional crap for her to have to like really dig through and wrestle through and i would have loved to have seen that but we don't get to that and so to go back to your earlier question patrick like that's one of my issues with this movie is that she we don't know anything about her we just know she is defined by her grief in this she is defined what by what men have done to her she doesn't have agency in this movie and that's one of the things that i have an issue with and i think if a woman had written this or collaborated on this then it would be a very different protagonist and then the story probably would have ended in a different way because she would have had more agency and we would see her overcome something rather than just all of these things happening to her that's a great way to put it. Plus a hundred to all of that. Nate, and it aligns saying. with what you were, what Nate was saying earlier about the depth of the main character not really being there. I would say I don't know. I'd say yes and no. I think I think that that the movie that you're describing would be an excellent movie that I would enjoy the first viewing of. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that this one is just like uh just way more abstract it's almost like an interpretive dance i think a lot of it i think a lot can be gleaned from like her movements and like body language throughout the movie and the way that she kind of is running away from problems in the beginning and then starts to slowly kind of turn and face them um and like address them um that doesn't really happen uh like super bluntly but I think there's a process that happens there. Um, I think that there's something to that um, that's just a little bit below the surface. I think you are a lot better at metaphors and symbolism than I am because I am not good at those things. So good job. I will say I will say that this this is like Alex Garland's most abstract movie. I really, really like. Um, Ex Machina, and I I really like um, uh, Annihilation quite a bit. I think that there's a lot of depth there too, but there's also a 
a much more palatable surface level story and everything um, to go along with it. Whereas this one is just like uh, a bigger swing, I guess. It's just like uh, definitely uh, harder to, to a tougher pill to swallow, I think. Um, and I do agree that him doing like, <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> I do agree that him doing uh, sort of like a, a a very dissecting a very like women lived experience is an odd choice for like this level of abstraction. I, I think a lot of it doesn't come across well, probably because of that. I have something to share. Oh, and it's going to oh, no. piss Nate right off. I, I think... think- we just ran out of time, actually. So <laughs> I want to thank everyone for having me. <laughs> I think that Alex Garland and Christopher Nolan need to take a course in Michael Bay's School of Simplicity. Because sometimes wow. folks bite off way more than they can chew, and the viewing experience is lost. Like... For you instance, said that out loud. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I hope that both of you know I'm going to get like a text or a phone call in a week that's just like, you asshole, I haven't been able to face you for days because of what came out of your mouth <laughs> at the end of that call. Because <laughs> it's like, how much labor are you asking the viewer to do? So I think about the statues in of the deities. I did research too, Nathan, um, mm-hmm. in men. And one of them is the green man, a pre-Christian myth representing death and rebirth, rebirth in the Sheila Nagig, found in churches mm-hmm. um, celebrating fertility. There was no chance in hell that I was going to figure that out or have any thoughts to connect that while watching this movie yet all of a sudden this big stone piece that keeps having the lights flicker and the shadows change shows up in her apartment where james killed himself i don't know what to do with that the same way i don't know what to do with tenant when there's like cars flipping and people walking by each other and just saying why are you giving me that much mental labor i'm just here for a good time i want to learn some stuff have a good time you know take take a little message away those are not the same thing, first of all. I know, but my One. experience. Two, I, I, I completely reject this like uh, position you're putting forth that like all movies need to be like blunt and literal. Like movie is like film is an art form. Uh, just like this this opinion that like ignorance is purity and like rejecting symbolism and clinging to the literal is just like a form of anti-intellectualism that I just like deeply, uh, it affects me to my core. So yes, you will be getting texts this week. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. This could be so, the end of our brotherhood. So yes, I, I will. I will agree that there is a lot of uh, work being put on the audience, but I think that that's like, it's really, it's really up to the audience to kind of engage with the art where they're willing to meet it uh, and kind of interrogate within themselves, like what 
what this did for them. Like, you don't really need to know Sheila Nagig and um, uh, Green Man. I probably butchered the first one. No, I got it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, you don't need to know them. Like, the, the images themselves are evocative, and I think it's worth, like, interrogating what it brings up for the individual and like sometimes it's fun to dig into what the authorial intent is but um in this case i did dig into it and he explicitly wants doesn't want to engage with what his intent was (laughs) pat will this not be such a memorable experience for you that you will think back to this conversation of us unpacking all of the things of men talking about that ending in a way that you will remember this movie differently than say something that washed over you for a night well i mean one we're having a in-depth conversation about it so it's got that going for it and two yeah this conversation is going to stick with me because in two weeks when we enter the gauntlet don't think that i'm not going to reference this movie as we uh you know go through our our fantastic four that the listeners don't know yet what they are <laughs> nor do we but yeah yeah i was gonna say I we, made, we made a, <laughs> a unanimous rule that men could not be one of the choices that pat chooses yeah for his movie for this Wait, does that mean i can't reference it though like it can't be talked about at all you'll get and- three free passes and once you've hit your quota of three you are cut off <laughs> men's out don't worry there's so, enough there, there's enough that a24 is how you want <laughs> No, that's fine. A24 has insulted the horror genre far enough that I'm not concerned about running out of material. You know, Nate, you said something earlier. Oh, I was going to add one closing thought. You said something earlier about this being an interpretive dance. And you know what I you know what I think would have made this movie better if it was a musical, not a horror movie. Mic drop. How about I mean, a musical it. horror? Is is that on the table? Or is that... Musical abstraction. Interpretation. The whole thing. Go full yeah, side musicals. story with it. Uh, What's that, Nate? I don't know. I said I love musicals. I'm not sure that I can disagree with that. <laughs> Our future gauntlets will be how A24 has apparently also insulted musicals where Pat James will be upset yet again. <laughs> I don't even mess with musicals like that. But I just think it's a missed opportunity here. I mean, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that this could be a musical and uh, it could be a lot of fun. Not the birthing Rory Kinnear scene, but everything else could be you a lot got... of fun in musical. Yeah, how do you set that to music? No, 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 no. You see, that's no. because it becomes Streamers. a musical. Oh, God. Yeah, there you go. Because it becomes a musical, <laughs> it stops being trying to fit into a horror box, and we can get rid of all that noise, and we can just sing about it and still have all the theming and the motif. Boom. I think Apparently spelled out good... for you. And yeah, handed I was going to say, yeah, I, I say, we can get into this on the next one, but I think horror is, is a good vehicle for the surreal, um, which a lot of, like, you know, these abstract things kind of fall into. So I think that's why it's been slightly co-opted, but I feel like there's enough horror to go around. I don't know why you need to gatekeep it so hard. Well, next time we'll talk about the subgenre that is evolved horror 
which can kiss my thank you so much for having us i can't wait <laughs> until we meet up for the a24 gauntlet well done well done all right any other last thoughts about men any other last hot takes no i think it's i think it's i would say it's worth watching like it's it's very interesting and you will not forget the experience i i would say <laughs> i say you just watch it a documentary on toxic masculinity and then a YouTube video of a horse birth and you will have checked the box. Patrick, I hope this was a therapeutic experience for you and that you feel better having shared your feels. I'm all revved up. I have no idea where the rest of the night is going to go. Safe space for you. (laughs) Didn't feel very safe and without judgment, Jennifer. Alrighty. Well, we'll wrap it up for now, but you best believe we will be back for that 824 gauntlet. This was our review and discussion of men. Uh, thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Strategic Comes Experiment. And thank you to Patrick and Nate for joining us and sharing all of your thoughts. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> you said that through good teeth, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, well, this podcast is fueled by our passion for stories and connection, and it's something we continue to do each week solely because we love it. This is our strategic whimsy experiment, and we encourage you to find a way to infuse whimsy into your day. You can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune into your favorite shows. Drop us a review letting us know your thoughts about men. Share your hot takes with us. You can connect with us on Instagram at Strategic Whimsy Experiment, on Twitter at Strategic Whimsy, or you can email us at strategicwhimsyexperiment at gmail.com. We will be back soon with that A24 gauntlet where we will each choose one film, an A24 film in the horror or thriller genre, and we're going to town. We're going to debate it. We're going to unpack it all. We're going to prove Patrick wrong. We hope you have an amazing week. And uh, we'll see y'all very soon. Bye.